I don't know about you. I'm ready for the weekend. Uh, it's a Friday afternoon here on Sports Talk. And, yeah, I'm ready. I am going to be – I'm in full weekend mode right now. Want to watch sports. Want to um, maybe get in the pool for uh, a few hours nice. and, and relax. Took us about a month to get the pool going. So now that it's gone, we got to use it, right? That's the whole idea behind, behind a pool. That's what a uh, pool is made for here in El Paso in the yep. summertime with all the heat. Perfect time to cool off, Steve. Get ready for the weekend. Yeah, I'm with you on this. 100%. 100%. Plus, we've got Chihuahua's baseball all weekend long. You know, we just found out today that uh, Danielson Lamette will be sent to El Paso to make room for Robinson Cano, who the Padres agreed to terms with today after the Mets released him. So uh, the Padres hoping that Robinson Cano can find uh, another gear as designated hitter and uh, give them a little boost in the lineup. And uh, unfortunately for Lamette, he's been battling health. And because this team has so much pitching, uh, you know, a guy that uh, just destroyed um, – the AAA world a few years ago, and then um, San Diego, he was just racking up strikeouts. He's had a hard time staying healthy. They moved him to the bullpen, and now he's coming to El Paso. So, you know, you've got Lamette on his way to El Paso to make room for Cano, um, and hopefully the Chihuahuas uh, continue uh, what has been a, a relatively strong season so far with 19 wins. I'm wrapping up a story on the Chihuahuas right now on the website as uh, they get set to host uh, the Rivercats all weekend long. Hags will join us about two hours from now for story time, and then uh, we'll get into uh, Chihuahuas baseball. Steve, with uh, Robinson Cano, going back to him real quick, I want to ask you, do you think that this move is going to work out in the end? I know it's too hard to tell because, I mean, hey, he was re- you know released by the Mets, not sure what he's going to be doing because he put up pretty much pedestrian numbers with the Mets. He was horrible. Could he, could he do anything with the Padres? Well, he's going to DH. I mean, he's not going to play second base. They don't need him to do that. All they need to do is trot him out there as a DH and uh, hit the baseball. If he can hit the baseball, he'll be fine. I mean, there's not really any risk because Cano cleared waivers, so it wasn't like the Padres owed him any money to sign him. They basically took him for the league minimum while the Mets paid out that $36 million just to get rid of him. So for the Padres, this is a low-risk, high-reward situation if Cano can find the kind of bat he had before his PED suspension a few years ago. Yeah, let's see what he could do. I mean, I know the Padres need some help when it comes to their designated, their bats just in general, and yeah. just some help, uh, you know, as as they continue to deal with the rehab of Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, hope, hoping that he could come back, uh, you know, midway point or later on in this season. I was going to say, I don't, I mean, we might see Tatis this time next month in El Paso, but I think that's optimistic. I don't know if Tatis is going to be swinging a bat in June or how that's going to work. It just all depends on how his rehab goes. Yeah, now I also, you know, speaking of rehab and speaking of uh, El Paso, really curious to see how Denelson Lament does with El, uh, in El Paso. I'm sure he's going to dominate. I don't uh, know. What is he going to do? Are they going to make him a closer? Or are they going to put him in the starting rotation again and, and possibly risk injury? I have no idea what the Padres are going to do with Lamette. Yeah, that's a great storyline to kind of follow, especially since the Chihuahuas here have been, uh, you know, surging as of late. They've been doing a nice job here in this series against Sacramento. And Lamette has not been good with the Padres this year in the pen. That's another issue. I mean, you look at Lamette's statistics this season, and he's pitched in 10 games. Um, he's got a 9.72 ERA. He's been getting clobbered. I mean, when you have an ERA of nine in the big leagues, that means you're giving up an average of one run per innings pitched. 
that's that's not acceptable at all for uh, no. a, a pitcher in baseball. But Steve, you know, another thing, this kind of it, we kind of saw this coming. I mean, didn't play in the playoffs last year. He had he was injured last year and dealt with that, uh, a, you know, a ton in 2021. So yeah, it's not too surprising to see him struggling out of the gates. He needs a reset, and maybe for Lamette, the reset will be El Paso, Texas. That's what he needs. He needs to get his confidence back. He needs to get his stuff back. Needs to stay healthy. I mean, there is a long checklist of things uh, Danielson Lamette needs to do while he's here in El Paso. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, and this situation, hey, maybe this will allow him to kind of get his bearings back in El Paso. Maybe, you know, he needs to fight for a reason to get back to San Diego and to, to try to continue uh, on in that bullpen and, and, you know, help them out as far as being a pitcher. I always thought Lamette uh, had the chance to be a dominant starter, but unfortunately he just couldn't stay healthy. We'd always have arm injuries, and that would that was kind of sidetracking his career the last couple of years. And it was a shame because when healthy and he, when he's on, his stuff is as nasty as anything you're going to find, which is why I almost think when you're when you're a starting pitcher and injuries is a concern, move him to the bullpen and then throw as hard as he can and see if he can do it in short bursts and maybe that's the way to get Lamette uh, back. And you know what? I mean, the Padres have been fortunate this year because uh, they have been getting uh, great uh, closer work out of Taylor Rogers. He's been nothing short of spectacular this season, but. Um, you know, if you have another one like Lamette that could also help you out and be maybe that, that future setup guy, that lockdown setup guy when he goes back to San Diego and he becomes that guy in El Paso, that would be a big, big benefit for the Padres uh, pitching staff right now. Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, bigger picture, Steve, do you think this is we're kind of nearing the end of Denelson Lamette in the Padres organization? I'm not talking about right now, but maybe, you know, in a year we might we might not be talking about Denelson Lamette on this roster. Hard to say. I mean, he's only 29 years old and uh, again before this year you just look at his numbers the last couple of seasons and they were nothing short of spectacular now um, uh, the big one would have been 2020 the COVID year that's when he was 3-1 and one with a 2.09 ERA and in 69 innings pitched um, he had struck out 93 guys and was just practically unhittable that season but the following year, he has been battling injuries since. He, he uh, had 22 games last season, started nine of them, went 2-4 and four with a 4.4 ERA, uh, still struck out more than one per innings pitch, but then the walk started to come up, and the control wasn't there. And this year, it's just gotten worse. So it does seem like, you know what, I could, I could definitely see another team taking a flyer on him, but if you're the Padres, if you trade him now, you're going to get nothing for him. So you almost want to see him come back to form, and if he increases his stock in the, in the, in the uh, bullpen, then at least you know you, get, you can get something back for him in, in terms of that, whether it's a higher-grade prospect or who knows what, package him with another player. I think that the Padres just – they know that uh, for a guy like Lamette, um, you know, El Paso could be the the ultimate remedy to get his stuff back on track. Yeah, and if he can't, then that might be it. So this is kind you're of ready to, you're ready to cut. Well, you no, not, cut, not, you're ready to you're ready to get get rid of him. You're, yes. You want to release him and drop him right now? Like if he oh, was yeah. on your fantasy team, you would have just cut him um, weeks ago. You would said, "The heck with you, Lamette. It's been nice knowing you. Go find another team to play for." 
Yeah, get, let another team take a flyer You're ready to give his walking you. papers. Listen to you. You're just ready to throw <laughs> him on the street. It's hey, unbelievable. This is his la- it's kind of like last chance you, right? Like he can come to El Paso. This is his last chance to try to uh, redeem himself for this season, try to you know earn yeah. that earn that roster spot. And if he doesn't, then the Padres will probably move on from him, if that's the case. I never knew you were such a cold-hearted individual when I it am. comes to AAA ball players. I had no idea that it was like this. I'm you. like this in the NBA, too. You know, I'm ready. I'm you, After last night's games— well, I'm ready to move on from the Phoenix Suns. How are you not like this with UTEP? How come, like, if, uh, you know, when Jarrell Satterfield was struggling, you didn't go on minor talk and just say, you know what, maybe it's time to just get rid of him and let let another team pick him up next season? I mean, how come you have so much compassion for the college athletes, but you're such a, uh, just a a cold-hearted you-know-what when it comes to pro athletes? Yeah, I guess it's because when when you're in AAA baseball or when you're making money out in the NBA, I'm saying, hey, I'm holding you accountable to that. Like you got to, you got to, uh, you know, you got to show up if you're going to be paid to do something like this. I like this. This is a new personality out of you. I've never really seen this before, and now I'm starting to understand that as nice a good guy as you are, you do have uh, a little bit of a tougher side to you when it comes to the pro athlete. Good for you. Yeah, I'm going to hold them accountable, Steve. That, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I like this. This is good, folks. Hey, we're learning something about Adrian today. We really are. We never leave a show talking Chihuahuas baseball. Maybe we need to do it more now. So so we can really get this new personality out from Adrian Broadus and understand that there's a totally different side to him. I love it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it all the time. Just don't ask me to do this for UTEP players. I'll try not to. <laughs> I, that, listen, that's, that's your show, man. Minor talk is your is your pro. It's your baby. So I couldn't even imagine if you were like this though with minor players the way you are with uh, guys like uh, Danielson Lamette. Oh my goodness, it's it would be it would be unbelievable. You'd be, woo. I'd have to watch myself. I'd have to watch myself around those players, I think. You you would have a tough time. Yeah. Uh, um, You know, you might not be sliding into their DMs as easily as you do right now. Let's put it that way. Parents would definitely not be reaching back. Oh, they would be parents. Parents would want to have, they'd want to get your uh, cell number and call you off air. That's That's right. That is for sure. All right. Uh, We got a fun show today. A lot in store for you. Adrian's movie review coming up a little bit later in the program. Plus, The Foss will join us. Yesterday was NFL schedule release day at 6 o'clock. And lo and behold, the Cowboys have the easiest strength of schedule when it comes to opponents. Now, it's funny because we started looking at this schedule game by game, and I thought it was actually a pretty tough schedule. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't, I didn't think it was a cakewalk by any stretch for the Cowboys and their fans. But when I looked at the list of strength of schedules around the NFL, I couldn't believe it. But the Cowboys and the Commanders were tied for the worst or easiest strength of schedule based on opponent win percentage in the entire NFL. In fact, the whole NFC East was right there at the bottom. You had Commanders followed by Cowboys, Eagles, Giants. How about that? I mean, the bottom three in opponent win percentage, the NFC least this year. Yeah, that, that is something right there that I think people may have thought just because of how bad that division is. But when you see how they're playing the AFC North, the NFC North, maybe uh, you know prognosticators think those two divisions are also you know equally not that good. And hey, as a result, uh, that NFC least yep. has the easiest strength to schedule. 100%. 100%. By the way, the toughest schedule, Rams, Cardinals, Bengals, Bucks. Those are the top three, uh, top four this year. 49ers are five. So Rams... Cardinals, Bengals, Bucks, 
49ers, based on opponent win percentage. Bring it on. Bring it on as a Rams fan. Cowboys were 462. That was the opponent combined win percentage. The Rams, 567 was the opponent combined win percentage. Followed by the Cardinals at 543. The Bengals opponent win percentage was 536. The Bucks 535. The 49ers, 533. Tied with the Chiefs, by the way. 533. So there you go. That's your list at the top. And in the bottom, as I mentioned, uh, the NFC East. So uh, good news if you're a Cowboys fan. Everybody on your schedule. For, now, part of this is because the NFC East sucked last year. Let's not let's not just sugarcoat this. The NFC East was so bad that when it looks at opponent win percentage, well, they're, they're all grouped on the bottom because they were terrible as a conference, as a, as a division last year. Yeah, just looking at the NFL draft this past year, it was the Giants, the Commanders, and the Eagles. It felt like picking a ton in the top 15. Just yep. shows how they, they just weren't uh, as successful at all at, last year. Calvin Solomon's going to join us in our 5 o'clock hour, the newest UTEP miner. Phone or Zoom for Calvin? We'll do phone. That's okay. right. Okay, looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Talk to the former George Mason product, who is the uh, I guess the second-to-last player to sign with UTEP. Now, this doesn't include walk-ons, but as far as scholarship athletes go, Joe Golding has one left. One left after Calvin Solomon uh, has uh, now become the latest UTEP minor for the 22-23 season. And it's, it's, it's really interesting because when we talked to Joe yesterday, it almost sounded like he was ready with his roster now. Like if he couldn't sign anybody else, he was perfectly fine with it and is ready to go to war with this team. But he has one left, Adrian. And it's so interesting when you can pocket that one uh, remaining player and try to figure out where you go with that final uh, addition. Yeah, with uh, by getting that six foot seven uh, Houston native in um, you know Cameron Solomon, the Miners really solidified in my eyes their front court. So I know that we had some listeners yesterday talk about how they need a center. Uh, now that they got the Stephen F. Austin transfer, they have that perfect addition in their front court. Now I think the only yep. guy you need is a sharpshooter. Just give me a three point shooter that can come off the bench and score for you and, and fill that Jarrell Satterfield role. How about our Twitter poll results yesterday? Fifty eight of you have voted. We've got an hour and 10 minutes left to go. Here is the question. If you are not a season ticket holder, will you become a UTEP basketball season ticket holder with the $91.50 price? Of the 58 votes we've had at 600 ESPN El Paso from non-season ticket holders, Adrian, 72% voted yes, 28% voted no. Wow, that you know that number actually dropped from yes. So we had more no's vote in late in the Twitter poll yesterday, and you know I kept it for a day, just hoping we could get a little bit more, and just to hear if people maybe heard about the special today versus yesterday when it first came out. But yeah, interesting that almost thirty percent said no. Well, the good news is we still have an hour and ten minutes left to go. So if you want to cast your vote, if you're not a season ticket holder and you want to put your vote in at six hundred ESPN El Paso on Twitter. All right. The Foss, next, right after Charlie won. He'll lead us off on a Friday with our first traffic update of the afternoon. Jello Beats, holla at me. What are we playing? What is this? Bobby Schmurda. 
Bobby Schmurda. Right. Is this is this by request? Of course this is. This is uh, what Foss was jamming to back at the NFL draft. So Foss wanted to hear Bobby Schmurda coming out of the break. This was uh, one of his songs at the at the NFL draft. Come on. It is. Huh? What's the song called? I, I'm not going to say the words. Is it uh, explicit lyrics? Yes, that's right. What is wrong with him? Let's find out. Foss apparently live right now on location at the AT&T Byron Nelson going on in McKinney, Texas. Um, this is what you wanted to hear, huh? That was a Bobby Smyrna. I-, I told you, or we could have done the Ice Cube, the West Side Connection, as I gave formidable shout-outs to my crosstown high schools of Coronado and Franklin. Much love to home in El Paso. But I got to say this, the shout-out of the immediate moment is to Missy Wilson, the queen of volunteers, for the AT&T Byron Nelson. She's been doing it for over 25 years, and she's a saint to hang out with me and get me to the vehicle so that I could do the hit. Is Missy, um, is she listening to this interview right now? She's standing right in front of me, friend. Oh, that is good. All right. That is nice. Um, does Missy know that you're playing Bobby Schmurda coming out of our commercial break? She heard that. She heard that. Okay. Absolutely. How many years have you been going to the uh, Byron Nelson Foss? Well, Missy, at least 10. Oh, wow. Oh, at least 12. Oh, well, no. I was there when it was at CPC Las Colinas in Irving back in the day. That was well, crazy. Wasn't that long ago, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was probably at least 15. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, 2017. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, five years. I, Jeez. Not, how do you, what, not, is, what is wrong with you when it comes to your concept of time? It just seems so long ago that we, 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 like the last time I was there, honestly. Yeah. And I know you guys kill me on this name dropping stuff. But I was hanging out with Moose Johnston um, at one of the hospitality tents. And, you know, that's been a while. I mean, I know he wasn't playing at the time, but it's been a while. And then it went down to Trinity Forest. And then now it's back up here where the PGA headquarters are going to be at PPC uh, Craig Ranch in McKinney, Texas, sir. I got you. What was it, about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from uh, Austin where you're at? Three three and some change. Ryan okay. Palmer, the good ag, atop the uh, leaderboard at 15-under, and a couple folks chasing him. I saw that. In fact, I was looking at the uh, leaderboard. Uh, Charles uh, Schwartzel's a couple strokes back. But then Jordan Spieth. Yep. Jordan Spieth <laughs> is right there. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah. 12. He's a 12. Yes, absolutely the crowd favorite. And, well, and now Scotty Scheffler, you know, he, he's got some competition uh, from the UT crowd. What is it like is for it you, mine? just out of curiosity, because you, uh-huh. you cover high school football, you go Correct. cover the Cowboys, you're at all Correct. these major sporting events. What is it like for you to be at a PGA Tour event? Oh, I love the golf events. And, and really, one of the highlights, and I, I know she's standing in front of me, but uh, Misty and I have been friends for a long time. Her sister and I have known each other since right out of uh, college. And so... To be able to just catch up with longstanding friends and those who are in the sports industry um, is a treat. And then, of course, to do the sports media and the, and the coverage, you know, isn't secondary, but it, it just goes hand-in-hand hand with forming the relationships, as you saw when we went to the NFL draft. 
Adrian, before I get to the Cowboys with Foss, I'm sure you have questions. As always, uh, he does it, you know, it's, he starts the segment, and the next thing you know, we never get to our point of topic because there's always so many other things going on in Foss's life. What do you want to throw at him first? Foss, who are some of your favorite golfers to follow? Like, who are, who are the guys that okay. you, you're, you're big fans well. of? Well, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, you know, Tiger Woods. Of course, of course. That, that, that definitely. However, um, the, the guys that I, I, I really say, you know, have a, have a uh, you know, all-around game that I can watch every week, I like Xander Shoffley. I, I like, um, well, he's a crowd favorite, uh, but I, I'll, I'll leave that one for the end. I, I'm a Jordan Speed fan, of course. Um, I, I like crazy big Bubba Watson, if I can, if I can get him – you know, going um, Adam Scott. He's kind of an old school favorite, and um, but now the new, you know Scotty Scheffler, man. I mean, he, he's up there with Justin Thomas and, and and the other young guns. Hey, by the way, since you're hanging out with Missy, who is the director of administration and events for this tournament, tell me about the perks and hookup that you get because you know when you go in and and hang with the director of the event itself your yeah. access has to just be unbelievable well you know it's really fun i've kind of developed a little rapport with the with the volunteers and they're like missy how do you know this large black man that <laughs> shows up at every tournament and you know we go through the spiel for those volunteers i haven't met but i love them one of my favorites is madonna she always sells me the gear because what i do is to support the event is buy a couple of few things from the volunteers um tent so that it kind of goes back to them and that's kind of a you know a, a quick i love you back to the volunteers and missy so I, I get to buy some of the cool not always out on display merchandise oh very nice all right that's right up your alley that's good um all right so let's get to the cowboys for a second since you've got a few minutes with us first off uh, when you saw the schedule drop yesterday what was your gut reaction i was like holy cow there's a lot of good teams they gotta play and they gotta stop they gotta start with the goat thomas p brady oh my goodness cowboys get no breaks i know they play the lions but that's not till like week 12 you also realize that according to strength of schedule, the Dallas Cowboys are tied for the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Is that a misleading stat? Yeah, it's huge. They got to play the defending champs, the Rams. They got to play the Buccaneers. Because you know, in sports, the psychology can be everything. And if you lose and get blown out by Tom Brady, there's like two or three division games right after that with the Commanders and the Giants. You don't want to be, you know, back behind your division opponents. Because, you know, Tom Brady said, hey, you thought I was going to retire. No joy. And, you know, I'm putting foot on you in week one. It's a good point. And after that, then they got to play the Bengals. And then they go uh, to the Meadowlands to take on the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, by the way, it doesn't get that much easier. Then they get the Commanders at home, at the Rams, at the Eagles. That is a tough – we talked about it yesterday. To me, that is a brutal first six games of the season for Dallas. So, so I don't know who would take, you know, claiming cupcake schedule. To me, because even though those teams, listen, the Giants, maybe not so good, but Washington and the Eagles are going to be legit in, you know, division, interdivision rivals. That, that's, that's tough. And then you got the, the Bengals that almost won the Super Bowl. It's not easy, friends. I, I don't give them the second easiest schedule. Sorry, I don't. Steve Foster, the Foss, uh, joining us here on Sports Talk from the Byron Nelson. We'll come back with him in two minutes. But first, right back to Adrian in this bottom-of-the-hour Sports Center update.
with the Foss, Steve Foster. He is live on location at the uh, AT&T, Byron Nelson, hanging out, having a good time. Are you there the whole weekend, or are you just there today? No, today, because uh, tomorrow I'll be helping at a football camp clinic uh, for our AAU uh, folks uh, with Rod Chico Tanner and those guys uh, in Colleen. Oh, so you're heading to Colleen tomorrow. And what do you have on Sunday? The show. The show. And, um, and Chris asked, can we get you to call in, Cappy, in that 10 o'clock hour? Uh, which would be, what, 9 o'clock my time? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. All right, we'll set that up, too. You know, right. if I'm on your show, you're on my show. You know, that's how we work it. Uh, listen, I will always return the favor on laying down the law. When will Adrian be making his laying down the law debut? We're, we're just, you know, we're going to roll it out in phases. We okay. don't want to give him too much all at once, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you, Foss. Thank you. So That's uh, right. And, and, of course, you know, we'll be on location somewhere next. Uh, I can't tell the listeners how much fun I had with y'all at the NFL draft in Vegas, uh, extraordinaire. It was a great time. One of my, I told Adrian, one of my favorite clips of all time. I'll show Missy after we do the hit of uh, Ice Cube and, 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 and us uh, on the side there at the NFL draft uh, at Caesars Forum. Love She'll it. love it. She will love that clip. That is a, yes, uh, that, yes, is be- that is a beautiful thing. Hey, by the way, um, you know, if you and Chris want to come to uh, El Paso and do the show from here, you know, you're invited. You could do that too. I was telling Missy, you know, one of the things that's a benefit of connecting to hometown and being in Dallas-Fort Worth, the Metroplex, is I am not geographically undesirable to some of these events where home is 10 to 12 hours away, depending on how you drive. That's a good point. That is really a good point. So, all right. So you've been, we'll, come so, back. we'll be back next month. Next month, we'll be back to do the show. Good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Meanwhile, as uh, you continue to soak things in out there at McKinney at the Byron Nelson, back to the Cowboys' schedule for just a minute. Let's just say, I mean, best-case scenario, Bucks, Bengals, Giants, Commanders, Rams, Eagles to start the year. They get the Giants, Rams, and Eagles on the road. Bucks, Bengals, Commanders at home. In your mind, through the first six games, what's the best-case scenario? Four and two. That's what I said yesterday. Exactly right. Four and two. Smart guy. Yep. Smart guy. All right. And then after that, they get the Lions and the Bears both at home in back to back weeks. You see them winning those games? Six and two. All right. Then um, after that, they're at the Packers at the Vikings. Seven and three. Oh, they split. split. All right. Who do they beat? They beat the Vikings or they beat the Packers? Vikings. Okay. Seven and three, home against the Giants, home against the Colts, home against the Texans. Nine and four. They right. win two out of three. So sli- and you know what? Yeah. Some of these games that the Cowboys lose aren't ones that they are losing because they should. I just think sometimes the 21st century professional athlete gets enamored by what's on their helmet and in, in the jersey, unfortunately. I understand. I understand. All right, nine and four after uh, those games. Uh, then uh, the Giants. Uh, see, then they have. Um, make sure I get this right. Uh, four left. So here we go. Nine and four. Uh, Jags on the road. Eagles at home. Oh, at that time, now they go eleven and four. I believe they beat both of those two. Wrap it up at the Titans at the Commanders. Twelve and five. So your first take of the Cowboys' 2022 schedule 
is a twelve and five season. You got it. You got if, yeah. If, if if this these type guys can't get twelve and five, then what the heck are we doing? Absolutely. Foss, did you see all the players they lost this off season? They be like Alabama. Be your America's team. Reload, baby. Let's go. No excuses. No excuses. I pay you a lot of money to do what you need to do. Well, Let's get after it. Foss, you know what this is setting up for, right? Because if they go if they go 12 and 5 like you're saying, if they go yep. a first round exit in the playoffs, it's over for McCarthy and people are questioning Dak at that point. That's why they pay you 100 million dollars. Let's get it done, son. In your opinion, if Mike McCarthy does not make the playoffs this season, is he out in Dallas? Yeah, it just depends. Jerry's a reasonable guy. He's making so much money. That's that's what businesses do. They go to they make they're in business to make money. So if he's making money, he's not losing money. Not necessarily. It depends on how they compete, though, as well. Does it also you know depend on injuries? And I mean, you know, you lose Dak, and, and obviously right. the season's lost. Right. So you know, yeah, you know, there's Colin Kaepernick and Baker Mayfield. That's true. Is Sean Payton the head coach of Dallas next year this time? Ooh. You know, that's Mike McCarthy's. He's the only one that can answer that. How bad does he not want to be head coach next year? I guess we'll find out, right, Foss? We shall every week, baby. But your first glance at the 2022 yes. schedule suggests yes. a 12-5 Dallas Cowboys season. Is 12-5 good enough to win the NFC East next year. Yes. yes. Next season. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, is there one game in particular that stands out more than any? Would it be the first game against uh, the Bradys? Yes. The Brady Bucks. The Brady Bucks. <laughs> That's the way we became the Brady Bucks. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, listen, get back to doing whatever you're doing out there at the Byron Nelson. Have a great time. Um, How is your golf game, by the way? I haven't swung a club in a bit. It was not good the last time I was out. It was C-minus for sure. What does that mean? I wasn't just – I just was – I wasn't feeling well. I didn't didn't get through my swings. I was leaving a lot of swings – you know, it's it's the most technical, toughest sport to play. Absolutely. I believe, bar none. 100% agree. So when you're Absolutely. on your game, what do you shoot? 88, 89. Wow. Look at you. Flex on him. Listen to that. Adrian, he's kind of like you. I've shot, I've shot no, he's way before. better. He's I've way better. I shot 85 before. I should have shot 83 in that round. But I shot eighty five before. Good for you. What's what's your trying. best what's your best aspect of your golf game? Your long game or your short game? Ooh, I like the short game. I like the short game, baby. That's what Tiger Woo got the irons. Gotta have the irons. Go back to Missy. You have been as just as advertised yet again. I'll uh, I'll talk to you this weekend on laying down the law. And uh, as always, we appreciate you joining us on the show. I love you guys. I love home. Everybody, I hope uh, they had a great Mother's Day last weekend. And uh, thank you for having me. And Missy is a treat. A treat. And y'all need to come up here and get credentialed and come hang out with Missy and me and 
do, do the dang thing on the 18th and, and all that and get the special shirts. And, heck, I may even buy y'all one for being first-timers. You know what? Uh, that might be next up on our list. Hang out with the Foss, the Byron Nelson. Sounds like a blast. All right. Uh, it you, really you, is. You've got, us, you've got us sold, my friend. Take care of yourself, and uh, thanks for the time, as always, Foss. Hey, man, appreciate y'all. Much love. 915 for life. Nobody I know has more fun in the sports world than that man. Steve Foster, the Foss, who you can follow on Twitter at Foss underscore sports. And the man that said it first right here, 12 and 5 for the Cowboys in 2022. Come back with more in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. Hour two of the program. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. We've got 90 minutes left with you here today. 505-6009 to get into the program. 505-6009. Say it loud. Say it proud. 505-6009. The new number to get into Sports Talk. You can also tweet the show. At 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. At 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. A lot of good stories up on the website right now. Happy I was able to get the uh, Chihuahua story up and running uh, and printed up. Adrian, I'll tell you what. I mean, you look at their road. You look at the way the Chihuahua season has started. They're a game back of first. They've got a, a ridiculous amount of talent right now uh, in El Paso. They've had Clevenger. They've had Snell. They've had Voigt. They'll probably get Tatis before it's all said and done at some point this year. Uh, this is one of those seasons where, man, being in a AAA affiliate really has its benefits. I think so, too, and I also think, um, you know, you just see the prospects across the board with this team. I mean, C.J. Abrams back in the mix. You look at what happened yesterday. It's Luis Camposano, who's uh, one of the heroes of last night's game. He was two for five with a two-run double, and uh, it's just a lot of these guys who are on the prospect uh, boards and the charts that say that these guys are the top prospects in the Padres system, and they're here in El Paso. That's what makes it exciting. It does. It really does. We'll talk to Hags. We'll get story time coming. Up about an hour and 15 minutes from now, and then right to Hags for the call, 635 here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Hey, meanwhile, Calvin Solomon's going to join us coming up in about 15 minutes. You'll meet uh, the newest member of the UTEP men's basketball team. Hey, um, I'm happy to hear about all of you that uh, are taking advantage of that uh, ticket special that UTEP rolled out. I also love the tweet we got from our buddy Ruben in Central. He tweeted us uh, last hour that he just left the UTEP ticket office after purchasing his two UTEP men's basketball season tickets. Uh, As he responded, can't wait to see Team 2 Season 2 of Coach Joe Golding's uh, basketball run. And by the way, nicely done by Ruben. You know, Ruben uh, takes a lot of photos for UTEP, but he also wants his family to be at the games, meaning his wife and son. So, Ultimately, even though he's got a courtside pass to every UTEP game as the main photographer for the school, he still goes out and buys the season tickets so that his family can watch uh, the team while he's working. That is so cool right there. And big shout-out to Ruben for doing that. I know his son's a huge UTEP fan. He's posted uh, pictures of his son in UTEP gear before. So, yeah, that's so cool that they, they're they getting the chance to get season tickets. How about Ruben getting a foot? 
football cha- uh, bowl ring. How about that? I that was love really that cool. Ring. I love that ring. I, I bet uh, Voice of the Miners John Teicher got one too. Oh, so. you know that ring but went you know, to John. I Probably love- Mike Pettis. And I wonder, do you think Mondo the Monster Medina got a ring? You know, that's a great question. I would side with yes. And uh, I hope that they were customized because those rings are super clean. They look really nice. I agree with you. How cool would that be if Mondo gets a, if Mondo gets a ring? Uh, we need we need to get confirmation on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that he did. All right, I'm gonna bet he didn't. Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> but he's a sideline uh, reporter. I know, I know, I know. But I mean, this is uh, I don't know if they can afford to give everybody rings. I, I hear what you're saying because they give the athletic department staff rings and stuff like well, I mean, that. John, I mean, John is an employee of the university. Mondo is contract labor. So I don't know. I mean, it'd be question. amazing if Mondo got a championship, if he got a bowl ring, uh, not a championship, just a bowl ring, but it'd be so cool if he did. My money is just no, because I, I you, you got to cut it off at some point, Adrian. Do you think our friend Cesar Cubillos got one too? Like uh, like coaches, I'm, ta- I'm oh, thinking yeah. like band directors as well. I'm, I'm just curious now who, who all got a ring. I bet Cesar did. I would think he did. I mean, he is, you know, he's... Him and uh, Bianca are in charge of uh, cheerleaders and cheer. Yeah, definitely. They they do a lot for the Utah. I bet you Andrew team. got one. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I I bet I bet you he did. I don't think Caesar the Screamer got one. Ah, oh, he should. He he really should. You're yeah. 100 right. But but if you give Caesar the Screamer one, you got to give everybody in the band one, right? What, what's his uh, wins above replacement every time he's there and not there? It's true. He does make it. He does make it worth it when he's out there screaming. And, he, and by the way, I think he's going to be screaming until December, from what I understand. Oh, good. That's good news right there. I'm glad to hear. Yeah, I am. I, I am, too. So, again, um, my money is on no. Your money is yes for Mondo's bull ring. I'm getting a response right now. Um, he did uh, text that he hasn't received it yet, but that means he might be getting yes. one. Yes. Yes. All right. Good stuff, Mondo. Wow. Look at that. Look at I'm that. Proud of him. Good for him. He deserved it. Wow. Congratulations. He was asked for his ring size. There you go. Got a boy, Mondo. So he got it. He got it. Look at that. You're right. Good for you, Tep. That's a class move right there. That's awesome. I'm so happy that Mondo got one. I am too. Boy, oh boy, that's good. That's really, that's, that's classy. That's the way it should be. So, by the way, that is one job I want before I quit this business. I do want to spend at least one season as a sideline reporter for UTEP. I've never, really? I've never done that. That's something I've never done in my career. Uh, Duke's been on the sidelines. Jeff Lindbergh's been on the sidelines. Mondo's now been on the sidelines. That is definitely something I would like to do before I, uh, before I hang it up. That is, uh, that's an awesome feat right there. Because if you get a chance to do that and like be on the sidelines, you get to hear all the emotion. You get to yep. hear everything. That's why I really like the sidelines a lot. Just you know, kind of a, looking at it from afar as a media member. I mean, I would tell you, I'm a little jealous of Mondo. I am. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a great gig right there. That is a great gig. So you know, you go on the road six weeks out of the year. You uh, travel with the football team. And uh, you have an opportunity to be on the sideline for a football broadcast. Yeah, that is that is definitely something I would love to do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I mean, just getting a chance. And Mondo has come out with it with a lot of war stories, a lot of great stories that he's able to tell us and you know relay on the broadcast and things like that. Getting the injury reports, all those things are super fascinating to me. Absolutely, absolutely. So good for Mondo. Good for Ruben. Good for everybody that's getting one. So anyway, that's that's terrific. Good stuff. All right, nine past the hour. 
as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009, our telephone number, that is 505-6009. Get you right on in and through to the program today. So, Adrian, um, back to the playoffs for a minute. I watched part of the fourth quarter of the Suns-Mavs, and that could have been the worst basketball game I've ever put my I've ever wasted uh, 15 minutes of eyesight on. I seem like I, I watched about three points scored, misses, turnovers. It was slop city. It was already like a 20 to 16 point game. And, you know, Phoenix, ugh, they were bad last night. Really, really bad. And again, my biggest problem with the NBA right now is this. If you are truly a championship caliber team, you shouldn't get blown out so much in playoff losses. I mean, I, I just, I feel like other than Milwaukee, everybody that's still around in the playoff uh, they get killed from time to time. And if you're really a championship team, you shouldn't. I understand one game if you get blown out a little bit and you're not in the game, but, man, so many of these losses are bad losses. It really, really makes it hard to watch in the NBA playoffs. You know, you look at that. There's two big red flags I came away with in the past two days with the Warriors losing by 40 to the Grizzlies without John Morant. And then, like you're mentioning, uh, I kept waiting for Phoenix to come back in this game. I continue to side with Phoenix thinking that they're going to be okay, Steve. But uh, it just takes one amazing game from Luka Dantich for them for the Mavs to upset the Suns yeah. in this series. That's what, you know, I, I I'm a little worried about Dallas right now. And if I'm a Suns fan, I'm very, very worried about Luka Dantich and what they could be doing in that Game 7 because they upset them. I, I don't know. I might take the Mavs against the Warriors in that series for the West. I, I really might. And I think that the the you know the Bucks and the Heat, those are the two teams that won't lose by, you know, fifteen plus in a game. Are we already ready to just uh, crown the the Warriors the Western Conference you know championship berth because the Grizzlies have no chance? I'm not ready yet for the for the Warriors. I'm not. I think that they win tonight. I think they win uh, considerably tonight as well. But I'm not ready to call them the champions of the West yet. I still think the winner well, of Dallas and, and the Suns could somehow beat them. If by some miracle the Grizzlies beat the Warriors tonight in in, in um, San Francisco, then I got news for you. Then the Warriors they, they're not winning Game Seven. Yeah, I'm with you on that. They, they better they better wrap it up tonight. Yeah, because they've had so many problems. Like whether it's like you know Draymond Green, he's kind of a zero right now. And if Clay Thompson was Russell Westbrook, then uh, he would be you know getting hammered for all the you know inefficiencies he's had in these past couple playoff games. Clay Thompson has simply not been there, and I get it. He hasn't played basketball, competitive basketball, in the last two years, yeah. but he still is really not helping them. Jordan Poole, although he was great in the first round of the playoffs, he's kind of disappeared right now for the. Warriors and with the Grizzlies they're just so deep like Desmond Bain is good you got Brooks who's solid and Jaron Jackson this Memphis team is young and they're still feisty they could beat you in different ways oh they could they could now my other question is this do you think Udoka's got a trick up his sleeve tonight to try to keep the Celtics alive against Milwaukee because they've got to win on the road that game starts in about 15-20 minutes uh, on ESPN both games are on ESPN tonight look Milwaukee wins they're in it's simple as that. They play Miami. Uh, if Boston wins, there will be a game seven in Beantown this weekend. So I wonder. I mean, you know, he's one of the best coaches in in the league right now, and he's never really been given a chance until this year. But that's going to be a tall task to come into Milwaukee tonight and uh, find a way 
um, at the Fiserv Forum to upset Giannis and force a Game 7. I feel like with the defense that Boston brings game after game, there's still a chance. I, I mean, it might be a long shot chance for uh, a Bucks team right now who's just so championship driven and they want to win another title. Giannis is playing out of this world. Yep. But with Boston, their defense can keep them in games. Uh, the late game situations, though, that's the biggest pr- uh, problem that Boston's had losing some of these games. I just love this series. Give me seven games of it. I, I really hope that Boston lets it go the distance. Meanwhile, lots of hockey last night. There were four games that were played. They're going seven in the Bruins Hurricane series. They're going seven in the Lightning Maple Leaf series. Surprising. Um, it is surprising. I'll tell you what else is surprising that the Wild lost to the Blues. Nobody really saw that coming after 53 regular season wins, but Minnesota's gone. And then uh, you also have, um, you know, the. Uh, this game seven for the Oilers and Kings after Edmonton beating LA four to two yesterday. So we've got three game sevens out of that series. The Rangers are trying to make it game seven tonight uh, and 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 find a way to um, you know hang in there in their series. So there's a lot of interesting things going on in the NHL here this evening. When I touched on that Oilers-Kings game, that one was just so competitive back and forth. Went down to the third period. Oilers end up scoring two in the last and making it make it, made it look a little worse than it actually was. But such a competitive game, and I, I felt like the Kings, that was their game to close everything out. Now they let the Oilers back in this series. You know what the beauty of hockey is? Home ice doesn't matter. If you ever That's watch so hockey, it's the one playoff sport where if you're on your home ice, it doesn't mean anything because upsets happen all the time. And in the NBA, home court matters. NFL, home field advantage matters. Major League Baseball, absolutely home home field matters. Hockey, home ice doesn't mean squat because road teams are so good in the NHL postseason. I, that's what's so awesome to me when I watch hockey. I just love the fact that you can, and I, I, there's so much parity as well when it comes to the hockey playoffs. It's just whoever's on, uh, you know, I feel bad. Anybody who's a gambler out there, I feel bad for people who bet on these games so because I bet. feel like it, it can just go either way when it comes to hockey. So, so hard to bet those games. Really is. All right. Calvin Solomon's going to join us next. You're going to meet UTEP's newest and latest signee excited about having him come on just like i'm excited about charlie one and uh, a traffic update here quarter past five o'clock as we continue you know it's not gonna be that much longer when we start playing this music regularly again you know it's, it's what is it now it's may before you know it it's going to be August, and then football season's going to be here, and then October, November basketball season's here, and then UTEP is right around the corner, Adrian. This music is going to become part of our regular playlist again on the show. I feel like we haven't heard this music in a while, so I was like, yeah, let's let's play this. A little bit of a throwback. Nice. Hey, uh, minor fans, get excited because here is our next guest. He is the newest addition to the UTEP basketball roster for the 2022-23 season. Uh, one of the best prep players out of the Houston area. And now he will be joining the ranks uh, with the minors. He is none other than Calvin Solomon. And he's with us live as Sports Talk continues. Calvin, welcome to the show. Welcome to El Paso. How are you today? What's up? What's up? I'm doing good, man. Enjoying myself. Good. Uh, by the way, where are you right now? Are you at Sonic? Sonic? Yeah, I heard, uh, according to your bio at StephenFAustin.com, uh, you, you can often be found at the Sonic Drive-In listening to hip-hop and eating chicken. That's what it says in your, in your official <laughs> bio. Nah, uh, I, uh, I changed Sonic. It's more like Popeye's. All right, well, we have, listen, I got good news for you, okay? Number one, we've got Popeye's here. We have Sonic here. We have Cane's here. 
We have a local uh, place for chicken tenders also called Boss Chicken. We've got that as well. There is no shortage of chicken in El Paso. So you will be good to go. And if you like Mexican food, Calvin, it's even an added bonus for you. Oh, yeah. Bonus, man. Good. Good to hear. Now, I'm going to start it off by asking you about how UTEP came into play for you. Tell me a little bit about how you decided to uh, you know, look at, at uh, joining the minor roster for uh, next season. Um, I just feel like uh, it was, it's a perfect uh, on-court situation. And then off-court, when I came to the visit, I felt, felt like it was it could be a second home. Uh, I just felt like um, I was welcome there. So that's how UTEP got on about. Now, you already knew Coach Cox, right? Yeah, I already knew Coach Cox, too. That's what made As uh, soon as I got in the portal, Coach Cox hit me up, and me and him already knew each other from uh, SFA, from him coaching me. And I just knew what type of coach he was. So... So for you, this sounds to me like this was kind of a, a, a no-brainer, right? Yeah, a no-brainer. Well, I'll tell you what else for the Miners they're excited about. They get somebody that's gotten better and better every year. It seems like from your freshman season with the Lumberjacks where you played about 15 minutes a game, then uh, you know you had a chance to start uh, 20 games as a sophomore. You were a fixture last season in the lineup for Stephen F. Austin. So is it safe to say that as you've played your three seasons down low, you know your game just has gotten better and better? Uh yes, sir. Because each year I feel like uh, experience is the key. So each year I, I I just know more and more, and I'm learning more and more. So, tell me as far as growth, what really where you've grown the most from when you arrived to to right now. Um, confidence. Uh, my freshman year, I didn't have the confidence that I have now on the court. I just, just feel like I, it's about confidence and swagger. So, and I got a whole lot of that. Well, and that's the thing I was going to ask you about. I mean, um, for the as far as confidence goes, is it just because you know you you started to trust your game more and more, especially against Division One opposition? Um, yes, yeah, sir. Uh, I feel like as the older I get, uh, each 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 year just progress to get better. So I feel like just the older I get, it's experience. I got young bucks coming in. I can show them something. They me something so I learned from them and they learned from me so now um I'm trying to figure out you know how tall are you I, I I've heard six seven I've heard six eight so uh Calvin how tall do you go uh I haven't checked since like last August but I think out when I checked last August I was six seven okay so have you have you grown since last August in your mind because even if you haven't been officially measured usually somebody can tell when they grow an inch so have you do you think you've grown since last August uh nah but my hair got taller Okay, that's uh, that's so so in other words you're six seven possibly six eight or six nine with the hair yeah six eight probably with the uh. hair that that that's fair. Uh, about what, 190 pounds? Is that what you go? Nah, that uh, man, I don't know what that weight. That, we were supposed to fix that. Two hundred and seven. Ah, all right. Really, so you... two, really two twelve. But you know, I went back home. You know how that goes. But I'm getting back to it. Well, listen, if you get back home and you're eating chicken at Sonic, I understand how that works completely. So, yeah, yeah I, I I can relate to you on that one. 
but that's good. So the so the 191 pounds, maybe that was from your uh, high school season because now you're up to uh, between 207 and 212. So it sounds like uh, you filled out nicely and and you can bang a little bit down low. Yes, yes, sir. I can bang low. I can do whatever the coach needs me to do. I feel like. Okay, now as far as your game, tell me what you're most comfortable with on the floor. I'm just curious from your, especially from your time at Stephen F. Austin. Did they use you mostly on? Did they use you on the wing? Did they use you down low? What did they What did they do with you? Um, I started at the three. I started at the four. Um, it's just whatever the coach needed. Um, like if I had if I had somebody little, I go bang down low. If I had somebody uh, taller, I go play the three, go burn bomb, and you know. Just using my advantages and disadvantages. What are you most comfortable with? I mean, I'm, that's another thing. Do, do you make, feel? Uh, I feel like I'm most comfortable playmaking. So you like to be a play, just, you like to be a playmaking three uh, on, on the floor, huh? Yeah, playmaking, defender, rebounders, little nice. bit of everything. So that's and that's another big key because you said it. Defender, rebounder. As you probably already know at UTEP, it always starts with defense for Joe Golding and goes from there. So uh, defensively, you're you know it sounds like you can add a lot. You're not afraid to bang, get physical, uh, and grab rebounds, but you like to kind of be one of the defensive leaders out there on the floor. Oh uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I like to be a defensive leader. I feel like defense turns to offense. Calvin, going back to your time in high school, I, I noticed that you all went and had a deep fi- uh, state finals run back in 2019 at Klein Forest High School. Uh, what can you tell us about that high school and that and that run that you experienced back then? Um, it was probably an experience I'll never forget. Um, just because we made it all the way to the state final game and we played against high-level competition, like players that's in the NBA right now, um, I feel like so that that run that we did was spectacular. It was like a it was like a dream come true because we talked about it the summer before and it, and it happened because we get a chance to win. And uh, as far as uh, your role, that uh, I mean, what you had twenty five wins in a row. Is it hard to explain what it's like when you can put together a twenty five game win streak? Uh, nah, I didn't know we made up. We made up a decision not to lose no more. So. That's what they because we lost like three games in a row. Then I just remember we told ourselves we like just not to lose. So and that's what that's how that went. We just took off from there. And uh, against Duncanville in the state titles, fourteen points, ten boards. So you had a double double. Um, unfortunately, not able to to pull off uh, the 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 state title, but uh, you came close. How close was that title game? Man, it was so close. We was up one, fouled out with one minute and like thirty seconds. As soon as I filed out, it was uh, it was that's when they started driving because I was the tallest player on my team. That's when they started like taking advantage of me filing out, Ugh. and we lost by like two. Oh my God, that's how close you came to a state championship. That's that's rough, and I'm sure fouling out with 90 seconds left to go in the game is it was was it a was it a good call or did the official blow it? Oh yeah, nah, the official was tripping there. <laughs> You see that, Adrian? The official was tripping on that That's last right. call. He was. That's, so that was that's what I was expecting. All right, uh, more with uh, Cal with Calvin in a moment as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's get back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. 
Adrian, thank you very much. We're back right now with uh, Calvin Solomon uh, from the UTEP uh, Miners, former uh, Stephen F. Austin Lumberjack, who, who played three seasons out at SFA, which means he'll have two years of eligibility left for UTEP. Well, let's look what we've learned so far. We've learned that he's really 207 to 212 pounds. He thinks he's still 6'7". Uh, we also learned that he likes to play either the three or the four, whatever you want, because he can either uh, capitalize down low against smaller guys defending him or go bang with the big ones, grab uh, rebounds, play defense. It's a lot of good information we've learned so far from Calvin. What about your offensive game? Uh, do you find that you're more comfortable on the perimeter shooting? Do you like to go post up down low? Where uh, is your offensive game at right now? Um, if um, if they leave me open, I shoot it and uh, shot a good percentage from the three this year. And I get to the cup and uh, I try to get to the cup and try to dunk it if I can. Nice. So I just say like this, uh, and I all right now I'm looking by the way I'm looking at your uh, I'm looking at your numbers uh, this past season all right let me pull these up here uh, Calvin so from three-point land you were 46 percent now you only shot 13 of them but you made six so it tells me that if you had a chance to shoot a little bit more from uh, from three-point land it could be a pretty dangerous threat from the outside yes sir I feel like yep if I should a little more the numbers the numbers <laughs> you're also a 52 percent shooter from the field 62 percent from the line so i'm sure you want to get that free throw percentage up a little bit but uh you're used to getting your baskets down low and making the most of it yes sir calvin want to ask you a little bit about your who who really you model your game after who you, who inspires you uh out of the nba who would some of those players be um LeBron James, I just like how he can win at uh, any level. Um, so I like I take I take LeBron uh, winning perspective, and I like uh, Kevin Durant. All right, I and, think uh, that, Kyrie yep. Irving and Jason Tatum. Oh, so you like all the good ones. I was, I was hoping you were going to give me some guy that's like not a household name, not a superstar, but but you just like the way they play. Are you a Rockets fan? Oh yeah, I'm a Rockets fan. So you can get Jalen Green in the mix, right? Yeah, Jalen Green. Yeah, yeah, they are good. Now, as as a kid, what was it like? I mean, did you grow up a Rockets fan, or were you such a big LeBron James fan that you just rooted for whoever LeBron played with, and, and you didn't really, you know, care about the Rockets that much? Oh no! Nah, uh, as a fan, I did like the Rockets coming up. I didn't. I just started liking LeBron when uh, I started seeing how he started winning his rings and like how he carried his teams. But um as I was growing up I liked the Rockets. But I played I was a football player actually coming up so I didn't really watch too much of the NBA. Really? You played football position in the football you play? Uh wide receiver, center, middle linebacker, defensive end, safety. Wow. I played a little bit of everything. They tried to give me a quarterback, but I couldn't do that one. Now when did you decide to stop playing football and just concentrate on basketball? Uh, my freshman year in high school. Was it a difficult decision for you or an easy choice? Nah, it was it was pretty easy. Our team when they good in high school uh, oh. football, so I just, just stuck to basketball. Yeah, you want you want to win, don't you? Let's be honest, losing losing sucks, doesn't it, Calvin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I, uh, I, I, I'm a win. I hear you. Uh, your nickname is Yaddy. Uh, how did that go about? Yaddy, uh, it went about. That's my that's my dad' real name. So. So your so uh, if your dad's real name is Yadi, you just you, they kind of called you. What did they call you? Like Yadi Junior, or what were you just known as Yadi? Uh, also, he, uh, he big Yadi. I'm little Yadi. Oh, there you go. All right, little Yadi. I like that. Now, by the way, uh, there is a baseball player named Yadi or Molina, and his and people call him Yadi, but it's a Y A D I. You are Y A T T I, correct? Yeah, Y A T T I, Y A T I. All right. Did your uh, did your dad play uh, college ball too? No, sir. So, are you the first in the family to play college basketball? Yes, sir. That's got to be fun stuff for the family. They get a chance to root for you uh, and see you play. Now, when you're coming to UTEP, do you feel almost like you're coming in here with a chip on your shoulder, something to prove? Uh, yes, sir. I got something to prove. Well, what is it? Just showing that uh, I can win anywhere. Just show people I can win anywhere, and um, just, 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 I got. I'm playing with taking everything personal this year and just, just being, being, being great. All right, I like that. It's gonna be so. It's gonna be personal this year. The 2022-23 uh, Calvin Solomon World Tour is uh, stopping at UTEP, and it's personal. I think that I think that's good. I think there's some potential with that too. So, excellent. Um, minor fans have never seen you play unless they showed up in Cruces to watch you beat the Aggies last year when Stephen F. Austin uh, beat uh, New Mexico State by two at the Pan Am Center. So, if fans have not seen you play. What is the best way to describe what you are like on the court uh, to all the minor fans listening right now? Um, just I play hard every play. I feel like uh, I give it my all every play. Like hustle. Uh, I kind of see myself like a better offensive Draymond Green. Oh wow! Are you as mean as Draymond? Because you know Draymond's got a little bit of a, a little mean streak. Sometimes it just depends. All right. So, just in other words, don't uh, don't provoke you, or uh, be careful. Be careful what happens next. Is that what you is that what you're telling me? Nah, but uh, I just play hard. He play. I think he play. He played hard. He's just the heart of the Warriors. He is. He like. is the heart of the Warriors. He's also he's also a little crazy, which I like. I don't think there's anything wrong with a little crazy, by the way, Calvin. I think that for the most part, you got you got to have that mean streak when you're on the floor because that could sometimes set the tone. As long as you don't go too crazy and lose your cool and find yourself getting booted out of a game. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this: When you're not playing basketball, what what are you doing? It's okay. How good is you? How good are you at two uh, K? I'm very good. All right. Have you um, have you challenged any of the minors that are already uh, that are either coming in like you or already on the roster that you want to make sure that uh, you, you get to, you know you take, get the best of them in two K? Have you put the uh, have you put the challenge out yet? Nah, I haven't put the challenge out yet. But that time will tell about that. Okay. So when you're not on the court, you're playing 2K. What's your major, by the way? What are you studying? Uh, health science. Oh, good. All right. You can get that major going here at UTEP. I'm appreciative of that. And uh, I'm sure you'll be in next month, so we'll get a chance to meet you face-to-face. Adrian, I've enjoyed this conversation with Calvin. Um, I like I like the answers. I like uh, the game style. I like what he's, what he's about, and I – 
think he's going to be a fun one for minor fans. Yeah, I think minor fans are really going to like him. Calvin, what's the jersey number that you want to wear when you come to uh, UTEP? Uh, 13. Uh-oh. I think somebody already is wanting 13, too. Isn't yeah, that- Otis Frazier. You might have to ah, play him for that. That's right. Frazier wanted 13. Um, maybe you guys can battle it out on 2K, and uh, whoever is the last person <laughs> standing gets number 13. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. Do you have a backup number just in case? Uh, nah, I've been 13 when I was out of high school. I just, I mean, if I had to, I would, but, I mean, that's the only number. I ain't thinking of backup number. How about how about 31? It's the same two digits. It's just uh, reversed. Yeah, Frazier got 31. I got 13. I like uh, it. I like that. All right. Sounds like a fun one to me. I'm looking forward to it. Calvin, we enjoyed the time, man. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you when you come into town. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Calvin Solomon, number 13. He's already He's already announced that that will be his number. He's as good of a 2K player. He's got it. I think so. Well, he doesn't even care about 2K. Apparently, for him, it's all about 13. He doesn't. 2K doesn't mean anything to him. He's like, you know what? And he already just threw it down and said, "I'm, I'm, I'm 13. He'll be 31. I'm 13. So how do you like that? I like that. By the way, 13 is not a common number at UTEP, and we've already had like two interviewees this week. Both say they want 13. I know, and and Otis Frazier, he said it first on the show. I wonder if there was any kind of like, hey, I asked for it first kind of thing right there. My favorite bat bio for Calvin, though, on the Stephen F. Austin website is when it does say, Calvin can often be found at Sonic Drive-In listening to hip-hop and eating chicken. <laughs> yeah. that, is the greatest, that is the greatest line ever. So that's why I opened the interview with that. I don't think he had any idea what I was talking about, but I was reading it right off his bio. Yeah, he was like, what? Like, No, now I'm switched over to Popeyes. Yeah, I, I like he that. He converted. Well, we have that too, so I think he's in pretty good shape. All right, uh, we've got a few minutes left to go in hour number two. Adrian's movie review coming up next right after ABC 7 News and then still to come. Tim Haggerty and story time. Oh, yeah, we're saving the best for last. Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Here we go, folks, as we get ready for the end of hour number two. We send you into the weekend with another edition of Adrian's Movie Reviews. If you're just joining us for the first time, Adrian Broadus has missed most of every classic movie from the 80s and 90s. We put a list together of 70-plus movies. He's knocking them out one by one and reviewing each of them with an, a possible score of 10 bananas. No movie has received the perfect bananas. Some have been close. Some have been so bad they've only had two bananas. Adrian, what's up today? Steve, today we are watching 61. This one came out in 2001, April 28th of 2001. was rated 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.7 on IMDb. It was uh, received pretty well by critics. This one was on Hulu, so anybody who's got a premium subscription to Hulu, they get a chance to watch it. And uh, for Yankee fans, if you haven't watched this one, then are you really a Yankee fan? That's my question. Um, it takes you. It takes place all the way back in 1960. Mickey Mantle, he's the guy for the Yankees. He's the one that everybody's focusing on. And Roger Maris, he's the one who's struggling left and right. I mean, he's struggling, and then uh, at one point, they, he fears that he might even get traded. So uh, man, the manager for 
for the Yankees at the time, he made a switch in the lineup and everything changes. I mean, Maris, Mantle, they're just hitting dingers left and right. And uh, it got to the point where they're known as the M&M boys. I love that. Uh, Mickey is different because he parties. He's like eccentric. He loves the New York nightlife and he can't get over these kinds of things. It got so bad to the point where uh, Roger Roger Maris, um, you know, even invites him to live with him at one point. I mean, he's coming to the games hungover, going to practices hungover. It's not a good look for uh, Mickey Mantle right there. And on the other side, Roger Maris is very quiet. He's reserved. He's this like kind of a, a weird guy. And and as the season progresses, um, you know, Mantle, his health really catches up to him. He's not able to stay on the field. He's uh, he deals with all these health in uh, you know health problems so he's not able to keep up the pace both the M&M boys are trying to chase Babe Ruth's 61 home runs and then in the middle of the season the commissioner is saying no you've got to do it in 157 games just like Babe Ruth did so uh, you know when it's all said and done Maris was not able to hit that 157 game mark but on the final game of the season he was able to hit that home run despite all the different criticism that he received by fans even death threats Uh, Steve this one was a really good one and I had to, you know, look back on some of the historical parts on this one, realize that most of it was, you know, very true. And uh, for that, giving this one seven out of ten bananas, uh, actually a very quality baseball movie. Really liked it. You know who was responsible for this movie, right? No, who was? Billy Crystal. Really? Oh, he's no, the, I didn't yeah, know he was this. the man. He put this whole thing together. This was wow. a Billy Crystal project. No way. Wrote That's... it, directed it, all that. And the movie debuted on HBO back in 2001. That was an HBO wow. movie. So, yeah, uh, that is – listen, um, if you've never seen 61 and you have any any sort of baseball fandom, especially the old stuff from the 60s, that is a must, must see. They did such a good job recreating old Yankee Stadium and kind of uh, using special effects to bring that whole thing to life. Thomas Jane was amazing as Mickey Mantle. I, I just thought that was such a great movie. I really, really enjoyed it. And I had no clue of the story. So for me, I was just like, wow, I didn't realize that Mickey Mantle was this kind of guy or, or portrayed as this type of player. And then for Maris, able to just kind of, you know, shrug off all the hate that he yeah. kept getting left and right and then ended up, you know, hitting that 61 home run. Good. So it didn't get to eight bananas, but it was close. Yes. It got seven bananas. Seven bananas is very solid. So that's when the, the banana is is ripe. It's ready to eat and you're you're re- you're good to go. Have you given any movies nine or is eight so far the best? No, no, no. I've I've done the golden banana before, Steve. So that's like the ten out of ten. That was I think that was for Raging Bull. I gotta oh, look yeah. back on my on my list. But that's the golden banana. So you have given out a golden banana. I have All one. Right. That's right. Unless I unless I'm forgetting one. No, I, I do think sixty one sixty one is one of the better baseball movies you're ever going to watch. I agree. I think that, I mean, that goes up there for all the ones that I've seen, at least in my perspective. Billy Crystal did, did a terrific job putting that together. All right. We got one more hour to go, which is really 30 minutes. Hags will join us uh, in about uh, 20 minutes from now. Stay tuned. That's still to come with Story Time in 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Final 30 with you here on Sports Talk. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You want in on the show, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. 505-6009. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. We put Twitter polls up from time to time. We retweets. We tweet ourselves. You just never know. 
You never know. Tim Haggerty's going to join us in a few with story time. I hope it's a creepy story today. Like it's been. Tim's been kind of dark this year. I like that. Yeah, me too. And uh, the last one, um, you know, it was one that involved him and, and a bathroom and somebody not getting out and, you know, the clubhouse. That was a great story time. So let's see if we could top that one because last week's was excellent. I like the one where the guy was on the train, disappeared, never seen or heard from again. That was fun too. Yeah. It's been been good. Hags has been on, on on his game so far this year. Yeah, he's he's uh, definitely batting well over uh, seven hundred with these uh, you know with these great story times. So I can't wait. It's it's one of my favorite segments every every week. Bucks right now lead the uh, Celtics twenty two twenty. You know that's going to be another tight game. And you said it earlier. I mean Milwaukee's been in almost every game, even the ones they lose, they go down to the wires. So I wonder if they can close out Boston tonight, or if the Celtics are going to have something to say about that. Yeah, this is going to be a tough game both sides. I mean. I I mean, I'm looking at Milwaukee. It's a Giannis game for him. He's still going to need to score over 35 points and and grab over 10 rebounds. And let's see what kind of facilitating role he plays in this game as well. He's going to need his role players to step up a lot. You know, it's got to be Bobby Portis, has to be Pat Connaughton. That's the recipe in order for the Bucks to try to win tonight. If there was a stadium, arena, ballpark that's no longer around that you wish you had a chance to go to watch a game during its heyday. Um, do you have one in mind in particular that would trump all the others? Yes, the old forum. Really? Yes, yeah. The fabulous forum, home of the Lakers, back in the Showtime era. That would be your one choice. Yeah, it's a great question, and and I had to think briefly, but I, I've been really, you know, it's recency bias. I've been watching uh, Winning Time on HBO, mm. and uh, yeah, that's that's why I definitely choose that one. See, for me, it's tough because I would almost have like a choice in each sport. But Good if I had, point. To, but if I had to pick one in all sports, that would just because you see, it comes down to one thing. Okay, for me. Would I rather be at Old Chicago Stadium watching a Bulls game during the Jordan era or Boston Garden to watch a Celtics game on the parquet during the Bird era? And I probably would go Boston Garden, parquet floor, Bird era because of that arena being so historic. Not to take anything away from Chicago Stadium. It's almost like a 1A, 1B for me as a sports fan because I've been to the United Center to watch a Bulls game. In fact... I sat next to Tim Floyd's wife because we went years ago and Haskins got me tickets through Floyd, who was coaching at the time, and that's who we sat with. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. When was it? What year was this? Like 90s, right? If we're talking about Floyd coaching the Bulls? I would think. Or maybe like early 2000s? I was going to say 02, like around 02. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Wow, that's a major throwback right there. Big time. Big time. Like who? Do you, who's even on those teams? I can't even remember any of Nobody those Nobody that was any good. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It like, was bad. Short-lived for Tim Floyd and the Chicago Bulls. The ticket was really cool. But like the actual like physical copy of the ticket? Yeah, the ticket we had for, to go to the game that night was awesome. Okay, okay. But, you know, I mean, the game itself was, was El Stinko. Okay, I understand. I still have the ticket stub. I got to bring it in. Not Nice. I would love to see that one. I've got it somewhere. I'll find it. I'll bring it in. Almost positive. I think it's in the house. I'll find that. So I would go Boston Garden, Larry Bird era, and you know, be right there on the parquet. Now I'd love to see I'd love to see Celtics Lakers, although as a Knicks fan, I would have taken Celtics Knicks in those days. But yeah, you give me Boston Garden eighties, 
I would that's that's where I'd want to be. It's funny that it's funny that we're picking basketball. Because here's the thing, okay? Football wise, for me, it's Lambo. And hopefully I can go this year, cross that off the list. If everything goes well. That's that's the plan. We got a lot of stuff planned, but we'll I'll try to make room for that, hopefully. Um baseball. God, I've done Fenway, I've done Wrigley. I've done old Yankee Stadium. I've done Dodger Stadium. I've done all the classics. I probably would have taken, believe it or not, Tiger Stadium. Wow, okay. Tiger okay. Stadium had a lot of personality to it, and you know, it's not around anymore. Now, if I really want to be um if I really want to geek out, I'd probably go Ebbets Field. Give me Ebbets Field, Brooklyn Dodgers. Early fifties to mid fifties, and that would be the ultimate for me. Because I mean, I say I say Tiger Stadium, but honestly, you know, I never got to go to the Polo Grounds because they they that the Wrecking Ball came in like the mid sixties for that one. Never got to see Ebbets Field again. Wrecking Ball, I think, in the late fifties for that one. But I did do Shea and Old Yankee Stadium as well as the new ones. So. I would probably go Ebbets Field. I would love to see a game at the Polo Grounds, and then and then Tiger Stadium. So I got I got to amend it a little bit because there's so many old ballparks that are classics. This is really good. I, I would go Astrodome for me uh, because I've never been there. So that would be what. But you've been right. I saw an Astros game there, and I saw an Oilers game there. Yeah, all that, in college. That's awesome. That's so cool. It that was would fun. Be mine. That Warren would be Moon mine. was quarterback in the, uh, the 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 Oilers oh, when I was there. That's perfect throwback right there. Oh yeah, it was it was, and, and they played the Steelers. Oh nice, that's it was a good fun. game. My okay. roommate in college was a diehard Steelers fan. Oh really? So we went when the Steelers played the Oilers, and he showed up wearing a Greg Lloyd Steelers jersey. It was phenomenal. Man. Not well received in the end zone at the Astrodome back in those days. Those colors for the Oilers are awesome. I love those. Love you, blue. I like the blue. I like yeah. the red. I, yeah, the white. It, it just the color combo is perfect. When the NFL needs to expand, if it ever does, bring those colors back. Man, I know it. And by the way, I, I mean, again, there's so many great now. I'll say this, okay? I never was lucky enough to go watch a UTEP game at Memorial Gym. That would have been an unbelievable experience for me and any El Pasoan, for that matter. Some of you were fortunate enough to to have been here and grow up in that time. We moved here in 78. So um, I would have been little, but I could have pulled it off. We just didn't get here until... Two years into the special event center, now the Don Haskins Center. Man, that would have been a great one there too, Steve. That Memorial Gym, and and everybody tells the stories who the the people who are old enough to remember those. But the Memorial Gym games sound like just madness. It sounds like chaos when it comes it was. to those. It's exactly what it sounds like to me. I agree with you. Um, I did Dudley Field a million times when as a kid. Bat Boy, the year they moved, started in Dudley, ended in Cohen. So did that. Been there, did that. And I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Loved getting roasted by the late Paul Strells and whenever I was trying to serve baseballs up to the umpire and I'd bring him over and he would it was like you were like he was roasting you. He was like, Oh, look, here's Steve Kaplowitz and then my parents are usually there, so he would like say something about me in front of my family and I'm like, Come on, man, I'm like Strells, I'm 
what am I? I'm, I'm like 16, 17 years old. Cut me some slack. Wouldn't do it. Oh, man. So he was busting your chops. I oh, like yeah. that right there. Oh, uh, yeah. My dad just texted, texted in the show that he was at those Memorial Games, and he said that it was majorly packed. So. I believe it. Your dad's got a couple years on me. And, yeah, I can imagine what that would have been like back in those days, too. So that's, that's very cool. But there's so many interesting venues that you would love to say, man, don't I wish I could have been around to watch uh, one of those games. Yeah, I also, I mean, like for me in football, I still look at the old Cotton Bowl. Like, I never got a chance to see a game there, and whether it's a college football or if it's like a, a Cowboys game. But you could be... still go. You could still go Texas OU at the Cotton that's Bowl. That's true. That's true. That's very see, true. See, that's the cool okay. thing. There's, I'm talking about venues that are just not around anymore, okay? It's like places that are gone, whether yeah. they've been whether they've been leveled or things like that. The cool thing about Memorial is you can still go watch a UTEP volleyball game there. It's still around. They should do the exhibition games there. Like, just do those. I mean, I agree with you. If you're going to play Eastern New Mexico or Western New Mexico, one of those teams, just do it there. That's why it was so much fun when a few years ago the women's tournament for CUSA was at Memorial Gym and uh, Keitha was just, you know, uh, pacing the sidelines like the Bear used to as she was coaching the Miners at Memorial. Oh, man, and it, it even reminds you of recent memory. I mean, I know they play there, but, I mean, the volleyball team and how they were able to pack exactly. that house and memorial for their postseason tournament. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, no, the, 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 the discussion here is really places that are not around anymore. Dudley Field is now the zoo. It's sad, but it's true, you know? Um, and then you start to go back to some of the other uh, places like um, – Ebbets Field or apartments, same with Polo Grounds. Those They've now turned that area into apartment complexes in either Harlem or in uh, the Bronx, where those used to be. Um, and and Brooklyn, uh, same, Brooklyn, same thing. Um, you know, Ebbets Field is gone. It's crazy to think about it. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of these places just, you know, some of the classics aren't there anymore. So, you know, Boston Garden was replaced uh, right next door, but it was called the Fleet Center years later. But, man, I would have loved to have seen a game. And I think Hags saw a game at the old Boston Garden. He'll join us later after story time and, and give us that. But I'm almost positive he had a chance to watch a game there. So, you know, he's he, that's, that's a huge feather in his cap growing up in the Boston area as a kid in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, that would be really, that's going to be really interesting to hear from Hags on that. Uh, Steve, I just pulled up a list of stadiums that are closed by capacity, so I'll read a couple for you. Uh, this is John F. Kennedy Stadium, Philadelphia. Yep. Do you remember this one right here? Do you remember that one? JFK? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then do you remember Cleveland Stadium? I do. Okay. That's where the Browns played, right? That's it, yep. All right, Giant Stadium? Yes, uh, I do remember Old Giant. I was at Old Giant Stadium. I haven't been to okay. the new one. I was at Old Giant Stadium That's with really cool. Lou Romano while he was working in New York watching a Jet Bears game. Wow. So you haven't been to MetLife, but you've no. been to Old Giant Stadium. I've been to Old Giant Stadium. Nice. Correct. Okay. Georgia Dome? Nope. Okay, Mile High Stadium in Denver? Been there. Uh, Miami Orange Bowl. Don't I might have I don't think I've been to there. I don't think I've been to the Orange Bowl. Okay, no. San Diego Stadium. Yes. Oh, that's sad. That's, well, they, that's really are you sad. talking about Jack Murphy? Yeah. Yes, been to Jack Murphy and Qualcomm. That's correct. Okay. Uh yeah, that's really sad right there. Um let's keep moving. Uh Hubert uh H. Humphrey never Metrodome. To, never been to Minnesota. Okay. Uh last one. Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. 
Been to Atlanta, Fulton County, and then I was at the tur- I was at Turner Field as well. Okay, one more. Uh, the Pitt Stadium in Pittsburgh. No, I've been to Pittsburgh only once in my life. Toured PNC Park, but didn't get to go into Heinz Field or or any of the uh, venues in Pittsburgh. So those are all sixty five thousand uh, capacity Man. stadiums right there. That'd that be fun. Closed. Yeah, that would have been yeah places that are no longer with us. That's, that's right. That's rough. All right, quarter past. Hags is next. Right after. Uh, one last traffic update, which we don't have. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Charlie back on the flip side as we get you ready for story time here on 600 ESPN El Paso.